So excited to see y'all. You can consider yourself official church OGs. You are here on a holiday weekend. You're here when there was snow. At least when I drove in, there was snow coming down. Uh, as you came in and you are here, way to go uh, for our first service of 2022. Now, my four-year-old River, his only experience really with snow was last year with Snowmageddon. And so when he saw snow coming down this morning, he was making big plans for after church of snowball fights that would resemble Elf when Buddy the Elf just kind of unloads on people. He, he was getting excited and I hated to break it to him that it doesn't always work that way uh, here in Texas. So probably the snow was gone when you drove in, but I did see a few flakes. You too, there you go. Uh, and we are having a family service this Sunday. We have our children uh, in the room and we're excited children that you are here. We believe in the power of generations at our church, and so it's an honor uh, every once in a while for us to be able to pull together uh, young and old and celebrate the Lord together. You're gonna need your Bible this morning. We're gonna be starting out in Luke chapter three. So pull out your Bible. If you don't, didn't bring one with you, there should be one in the seat underneath, uh, in the rack underneath the seat in front of you. You can pull out your phone as well. We're gonna get into God's word here together as we start 2022. We're gonna be in Luke chapter three. Luke chapter three, that's what you want to pull out. Open it up. Parents, this is a great opportunity if you're with your kids for y'all to get in God's word together. So I encourage you to do that. Luke chapter three. Luke chapters one and two are focused on the story of Christmas, the incarnation of Jesus. Luke chapter three is a bridge between his birth and Luke four, his public ministry, the start of his public ministry, and we're going to be in Luke 3 today, an ideal scripture for this time of year. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 1, going to verse 2. If you have your Bibles out, we'll put that up on the screen. I'm going to give you a few moments to read this on your own, to engage right in your seat with God's word, and then I'll read it aloud for all of us. So if we can put up Luke 3, verse 1 through 2 should look at it in your Bible or on your phone. I want to give you a chance to read this, and then I'm going to read it for all of us. Lots of tough names in this one. Getting your brains working here in the new year. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the, we got some Abilene Christian uh, grads in here, come on. During the, I'm sure they're talking about Texas. I'm sure that you, they are. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, who in here likes movies? Raise your hand if you like movies. 
Uh, I love movies, I love to watch movies, I love to watch the story unfold. And Luke, as you read through the Gospel of Luke, he is like a movie director. He is painting a picture for all of us to see and to savor the majesty that is Jesus Christ. And here, in this scene, He's transitioned from the birth story of Jesus, and he's moving forward, and he kind of pans here. Imagine the screen, if you will, if you're watching the movie. The camera goes to Caesar, who's the ruler over the Roman Empire. They viewed Caesar as the greatest king ever, that he was a divine in nature, and the scene goes to him. The camera goes to Tiberius, Caesar, and then it shifts to another governmental leader, Pontius Pilate, who we'll pick up later in the story in the gospel, and it goes to him. He's the governor of Judea. And then it goes to Herod, who's another governmental leader, and then Herod's brother, Philip, who's another governmental leader, and then to Lysanias, and then they go to some religious leaders. The the camera moves, and it goes to Annas and Caiaphas, So you're kind of building up. Oh, this must be powerful. This must be important. Something significant is going on. And then Luke drops in. He takes you. The screen shifts to the wilderness, to a desert area, to a remote area, away from the places of power, away from the places of prestige, away from kind of, oh, this is these are powerful people doing powerful things to this obscure man in the wilderness, John the Baptist. And there it says, the word of the Lord, the word of God came not to Tiberius Caesar, not to Herod, not to Philip, not to Lysanias, not to the religious leaders of Annas and Caiaphas, but the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. And I want you to hold on to that phrase, in the wilderness. Because what we see as we read through scripture over and over and over again is that so often God speaks to people not in places of power, not in places of what we think as important, not those that are kind of up front and center on the world stage, but he speaks to people in the wilderness. He called Abraham in Genesis to leave his city, and to go out into the wilderness. And there, God spoke to him a promise that shaped world history and shaped human history. He spoke to Moses at the burning bush in the wilderness. And he spoke to Moses on the mountain and gave him the Ten Commandments. He spoke to Elijah. Elijah had to go up the mountain to hear the word of the Lord. And now, to John, he speaks to him in the wilderness. So I want to ask you a question that you're gonna need to talk with the person sitting next to you to offer some thoughts. Open-ended question, why do you think God speaks to people in the wilderness? Why so often in scripture do we see God speak to people when they go up on a mountain or when they go into the desert When they're out in some remote place, why does the word of the Lord come there and not to Caesar, not to the governmental leaders, not to the religious leaders, but in those wilderness places? Why does God speak to people in the wilderness? So turn to someone around you, offer a thought, no right or wrong answers, just offer a thought.
Why does God speak to people in the wilderness? One second, okay. All right, I'm gonna offer you a couple things that I thought about. Jasper, could you bring me that jar, please? It is heavy. Give Jasper a hand, everybody. He's my son, one of them. Okay, life at the emperor's palace is busy with lots of things, lots of meetings, lots of people to attend to, lots of people watching out and wanting your time. Life for other political leaders, life for those in the city. Man, there's just so much going on, so much noise, so many things to go, so many things to do, right? Religious leaders, we've got all these services and things we need to go after, right? All these things that it can feel like this, like life is just churning and burning and things are spinning around and it's just murky. But when you go in the wilderness, things start to get still. How many of you ever noticed when you go out in the country and you realize, oh my goodness, it's been so long since I saw the stars and I can't, I've forgotten how bright and clear and majestic they are. In the wilderness, uh, things that you begin to hear things that you don't hear in the city. You can hear little crickets, you know, making or grasshoppers or whatever the bugs are making the noise in the fields, and you start to notice things, you can hear things because it's quiet in the wilderness. <clears throat> in the city, in big places, we can kind of become self-impressed with our big buildings, our big budgets, our big roads, our big sports teams, all of those things. We can become impressed with those things, and we can feel like, look at us. But oftentimes in the wilderness, I know when I've been out in nature, when I've been in desolate places, you begin to see the bigness of the universe and you realize just how small you really are, right? Humility happens in the wilderness and humility opens up our ears to hear the Lord in fresh ways. In the wilderness, we get still. And when we get still, things become clear. Now, just after a little bit of stillness, you can see that the, the dirt is settling out. There's debris selling to the top. You can see through the water. I can see in the water there's a little gold coin. I don't know if y'all can see it from where you were. Kids, can you see that? Kids, can you see the gold coin? Y'all have the best eyes. Preston, you got it? Yeah, a little, little gold coin, right, that you didn't see before. When things get still, things start to get clear. And that's what I want you to write down today. That's one of the things that I want you to take away. When we start talking about why does God speak to people in the wilderness, it's because when we get still, things become clear. And we need that time and that space of getting still, just like this jar does, to become clear. We need that, not to be able to see the little gold coin in here, but to be able to see the word of the Lord, to hear the word of the Lord, that maybe the busyness of our lives, the background noise going on, our own sense of self-importance, we need those things to, to still down, to settle down. 
so that what truly matters, what's really important, the word of the Lord can become clear. We need to get still so that things become clear. We need to get still so that things become what? Clear. When we get still, things become clear, and one of those things is the word of the Lord. And that's what we're focused on this morning. That's what I wanna remind you of here as we start the new year, is there are gonna be so many things vying for our attention over the next month and over the next 12 months. We live in an awesome city. There's always things to do. Our lives are filled with noise and excitement, and there's so many great things about that. But from a spiritual uh, standpoint, we need to learn the lesson of John the Baptist, learn the lesson of Abraham, of Moses, of Elijah, that we need times and spaces in our life where we can get still so things can become what? Clear, right? Now, we see this not just in their lives, but we see this in the early church, in one of the foundational churches that we're actually named after. So turn in your Bibles to Acts 13, and we're gonna see this same principle at work in a different setting. Acts chapter 13, verse one through three. We're gonna read this one aloud. It will be on the screen. Let's read this together. We're just doing different ways to engage God's word this morning. So I'll start out and we just want you to read this aloud with me. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now again, here we see not just to one, not just to John the Baptist, but here we see to a church, the word of the Lord coming to a church. Our church name, it's a little weird, Antioch. No one uses that word anymore. Every time I give out my email address to someone, I have to really spell it out, and they're like, what is that? But we get our name from this church. This church is right here in the early generations of the churches of the New Testament. And in this church, what we see is we see spiritual gifts at work. We see prophets and teachers together. We see apostles there, Paul. We see the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work amongst the body of Christ. And that's something that we want to be. We are a charismatic church. We believe in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work. You see uh, different ethnicities, different races gathered together. These different names that are challenging for us to pronounce are people from different parts of the world, different backgrounds, right? And you see a multi-ethnic church, and we want to be that. We want to be a communal church where we build relationships with one another that cross political, ethnic, and economic divides, right? And they're centered around Christ. You see that there. But another thing that you see that they're doing is they're taking time to worship, to pray, and to fast. And this is so important because not all of us have the opportunity, have the luxury, uh, live in a place with the means where we can say, you know what? I wanna go out to the wilderness. I'll take some time off of work and just go up into the mountains. 
or go out into the desert to meet with the Lord or go out into the country. Not all of us have that opportunity. But what we learned from this church is that even though they were located in a city, they were intentionally doing things to create stillness so that things could get clear. They were taking time to fast, to say, I'm gonna put down all the food that I could fill myself with so that, you know how your stomach starts to settle after you have not eaten for a while, right? Things settle down. I'm gonna put away other things that I could be doing with my time and I'm gonna invest it in, in prayer. I'm gonna create a mini wilderness. Their church was focused on that. They were gonna say, okay, we could focus on so many things, but we're gonna worship in this season. And in that season of worshiping and praying and fasting, again, we see the word of the Lord came to them. This is so important for us because you and I may or may not have the ability to go out into the wilderness, but we as a church, one thing that's really important for us is that we create opportunities as a church for things to get still so that they can become clear. And over the course of this month, January, one of the ways that we do that, one of the ways that we participate in that is through what we call 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we together are trying to say, we're going to slow down, we're gonna go to the wilderness, we're gonna look for things to get still so that we can begin 2022 clear with the word of the Lord, which I know so many of us need for the situations that we're facing. So what I wanna do today is just whet your appetite with that, give you a little preview of what's to come, and hopefully the Holy Spirit is gonna inspire you not just to hear this, but to walk out of here saying, I need to be a part of that, whether it's for the hundredth time or maybe for the first time. I need here at the beginning of the year to create stillness in my life so that things can get clear, and the way we're gonna do that together is through a time of prayer and fasting. So what is this? We take 21 days in January. This year, it'll bleed over a little bit into February. We'll give February a little prayer and fasting love. And we engage with various ways of prayer. So we're gonna have times of praying together as a church family. We're gonna have times to pray in your life groups. We're gonna have a guide here in a couple weeks that will guide you in praying on your own. So different ways for us to pray together. And we're gonna have different fasting opportunities over these 21 days, different ways that we fast, that we'll experiment with fasting, practice fasting together with the whole goal as a church family, like those at Antioch in the, in the book of Acts, and like our forefathers and foremothers in the faith who created space for things to get still, that we would create space for things to get still, that we might be clear on the word of the Lord for our lives for this year. Why are we doing this? Again, we're getting still in order to get clear. This year, our dates for 21 days of prayer and fasting will be January 16th to February 6th. Now, if you're new with us and you hear, my goodness, 21 days of prayer and fasting, that seems like a lot. Um, it, it is an extended time. We, we don't, uh, how to put this? There are gonna be different ways to fast, so you don't need to think engaging means, well, I guess I'm not gonna eat for three weeks. That sounds uh, fun. No, we're gonna find different ways to engage in prayer and fasting, and what I hope to do in the coming weeks is share with you some testimonies from our church family 
about ways that we've received or experienced God's power in the midst of prayer and fasting, but today I wanted to close our time with one story from recent history that I just love that illustrates this, this principle and something that we want to pursue together. <clears throat> about 60 years ago here in the US, uh, in New England, there was a little country pastor by the name of David Wilkerson who pastored a small little Pentecostal church. And his habit in his day was that he would end every day uh, with a little TV watching. His version of Netflix, he would stay up from midnight to 2 a.m. and watch the late night talk shows, like Jimmy Fallon of his day. He would stay up and watch those every night. That's kind of how he ended his day. And in that time where he was watching that show, he had a thought come to him that when you hear it, you'll know, oh, this was the Lord. The Lord prompted his heart and said, hey, what would happen if you turned off the TV so that things could get still and you spent that two hours that you spend watching TV, you spent that in prayer with me, getting still so things could get clear. So Wilkerson was like, oh, this is, uh, I, I believe this is the Lord, this sounds like a challenge, I'm gonna need to sell my TV so I'm not tempted to kind of cheat the deal a little bit. So he sold his TV and he started to spend those two hours, midnight to 2 a.m. for this season of his life in prayer. In that time, as he was creating space, as he was letting things get still, the Lord highlighted something to him again. He was praying one night and he saw Time Magazine on his coffee table and on the cover of Time Magazine was a picture of some teenage gang members in New York. And there, in that stillness, as things were settling, the Holy Spirit spoke to him, just like we saw the Spirit speaking in Scripture. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, David, I want you to go and I want you to love these gang members, these teenage gang members. So he's like, I don't really know what that means. I am a country preacher and these are gang members in New York City who were on trial for doing very bad things, and I'm not really trained or equipped to do that, but the Spirit was prompting him. So he decided that he would drive one time a week into New York City, and he would walk these areas, and he would pray, and he would share the gospel with whoever he met that particular time. So he started doing these trips, and on one of the trips, uh, a gang member who didn't like someone else coming into his territory uh, came up to him and told him, if you uh, don't stop doing this, we are going to hurt you very badly. I'll let you fill in the blanks of what that might mean. We have kids in the room, so that's what they said. So David Wilkerson looked at him, having spent all this time in prayer, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him and said, you can do whatever you want to me, but what I want you to know is that I will not stop loving you because Jesus loves you. And this gang member was shaken to the core. Their confrontation goes a different direction. David doesn't know if he should expect to be beaten up or taken out or whatever, but he just keeps trying to be faithful with what the Holy Spirit put on his heart to do. That conversation with that gang member, that gang member's name was Nikki Cruz, led to Nikki Cruz becoming a follower of Jesus some months later. Nikki Cruz was a gang leader. His decision to follow Jesus then led to many in his gang becoming followers of Jesus. So now David, out of this place of prayer, this place of getting still so that things could become clear, now he's stepping into something that God was wanting to do amongst these gangs. 
And what David realized was part of the issue for these gang members was they were uh, struggling with addiction. And so he began to try and work with them to help them overcome addiction. This birthed a, a movement or a ministry called Teen Challenge. Now, 60 years later, this is 60 years removed, David Wilkerson has gone to be with the Lord, but what began out of a time of selling his TV to focus in on prayer for a season that led to life change in Nikki, life change in Nikki's gang, uh, that drug rehab center, now there are over 1,200 teen and adult challenges around the world in 118 nations. Isn't that amazing? Last year, they served 11,000 people who were struggling with addiction and trying to get free, and they served them through Christ-centered principles to help them escape addiction. That's amazing to think about. If you've ever been through our discipleship school, one of the books that we read is called The Cross and the Switchblade, and it tells the story of David and Nikki and what God did. I encourage you to read the book. It is an amazing story, but I wanted to share that with you as an example, as a testimony of what does it look like when people take time to build their own wilderness. David didn't go out on a mountain. He didn't go out into a desert. He just said, I'm gonna turn off my TV for a while. I'm gonna focus in on prayer. With the church at Antioch, when they took time to go into the wilderness together to create space to get still, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, set apart Paul and Barnabas, and that setting apart of Paul and Barnabas changed our world. Now, for us, does that mean when we engage in 21 days in prayer and fasting that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you something that is going to revolutionize our world? I don't know. But I do know that all of us as your pastor, I know that we all have situations, we have relationships, we have jobs, we have things going on, decisions we're trying to make that we need the word of the Lord. We don't just need our best idea. We don't just need a wing and a prayer. We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us here as we enter into this new year. I want for you to go into this year with a sense of this is the Holy Spirit's leadership and direction in this area of my life. And I wanna invite you in to participate with us over these 21 days, January 16th to February 6th, where we're taking time to get still so that we can get clear in those little gold coins, the word of the Lord that God wants to plant in us, that he wants to speak to us, could become clear for us to be able to make the decisions that we need to make, to see the breakthroughs that we need as we go into the new year. So that's our sermon for today. So whet your appetite. We want to get still so that we can get clear. And here's what I wanna invite you to do. If you'll stand up, we're gonna close today by taking time to commit this to the Lord. All our kids in the sanctuary, you guys did an awesome job. Way to go. All our adults in the sanctuary, you did an awesome job as well. And, and here, here's what I want us to do as we close. We're gonna take time to worship and pray as we close the service like we always do. I wanna invite our staff and overseers to be available to pray with anyone who has a specific need or burden this morning. But if you're here and you're hearing this, 
I wanna invite you as we pray just to say, Lord, I'm in. Maybe I can do the whole thing. Maybe I can do a part. I don't know all the details, but I wanna create space here in January for things to get still in my life so your word can become clear to me as I head into the new year. So as we worship, as we pray, I wanna encourage you to pray that to the Lord. God, I'm here. I wanna engage. I wanna let things get still so your word can become clear as we go into the new year. I'm gonna pray over us, and then we're gonna worship again if I can have staff and overseers available for prayer ministry. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you want to speak to us, Lord. Thank you that you say that your sheep hear your voice. And there's so many things that keep us distracted, that keep things swirling and turning around us that sometimes make it hard to hear. So we thank you for this invitation to get still over this next month as our church family so that your word might become clear in our lives individually, that it might become clear in our relationships, that it might become clear as a church family of what you're leading us into in 2022, Lord. And we just say here, gathered on this Sunday, the first Sunday of the year, Lord, we're in. We're in for creating space to get still so your word can become clear.